Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Political hitmen. I'm Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'm happy to be here. Please feel free to call in at any time. Uh, numbers to call, 301-768-4841 in North America and Israel, 0265-00151. Those numbers can be found on the top of the page at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I am... Um, I, I was thinking just last week, I didn't get to do the show last week, and I kind of missed you guys. And, and I was thinking uh, that, that I really should have done the show last week. So much has happened, and we marked two very important dates in Israeli history, that, uh, that, that in Jewish history, that I think you know, not doing the show last week was a big mistake. So I apologize for missing that show. Uh, first, thing, first thing that happened last week, of course, was the, uh, was the Israeli election. And uh, the Israeli election was um, wasn't much of a surprise. wasn't much of a surprise. I, I expected uh, Benjamin Netanyahu to win. I expected Bibi Netanyahu to win. And um, and uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't shocked that he won. I wasn't I wasn't shocked. I mean, Israel needs their dictator, I guess. And so Netanyahu is is back in power or will be back in power sometime soon. Uh, I, I, I had stated on the show before. I, I had, uh, I had stated quite, quite clearly, quite, quite, um, quite, quite strongly on the show before that I think it was time for a change in, um, in leadership in Israel. I think it was time for the Israeli population to change their leader. Uh, I think it was time for Bibi Netanyahu to step away from the, from the spotlight and, and allow progress in Israel. Um, my my issues with Bibi are, are pretty deep, and uh, I think I think that you know when a man could be in power for so many years, the man becomes um, the man becomes a dictator. And I'm not much into dictatorships, and so uh, unfortunately, Israel is under a a dictatorship. Um, will be under a dictatorship again. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu, he's the Teflon prime minister. Anything that's thrown at him, any political scandals that hit him seem to bounce right off him. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how he survives so long as a politician with so many things that have been, that he's been charged with. But anyway, he won democratic election. We'll call it that he won. And uh, the coalition government might be a better coalition government than was there. Uh, you know, this is where, this is where you're kind of torn because the government, the coalition that existed before BB, uh, what was a terrible coalition. It, it was horrible for the country. So will Netanyahu's coalition be better for the country? It might be better for the Jewish people. Uh, he's had to he's had to uh, make alliances with uh, with the Orthodox Party. So it may be better for Judaism as, as a whole in the state of Israel. Uh, will it be better for the state? Well, if it's better for Judaism, it's better for the state. That's for sure. But uh, of course, the uh, lefties, the the crazies, are are running around and screaming and 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 throwing their hands up in the air and flailing around, 
and it's been a bad couple of weeks for for lefties right across uh, right across the world in, in in the United States it looks like the Republicans are sweeping are sweeping the uh, the elections the midterm elections um, throwing the Democrats out of office which would um, which means that lefties in, in the United States are going to be running around with their with their hands up, you know, flailing over their heads too. They'll be they'll be kind of upset. It, it is kind of upsetting though um, when you think that uh, that that people like um, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib uh, won their seats again. So there are still Jew haters in America who are voting for Jew haters, and that, that's kind of scary. Uh, but it's no it's no big secret that there were there, there are Jew haters in America. I, I can't imagine anybody listening to this show or anybody who's followed any news any time in the last little while could be at all surprised that there are Jew haters in America. America is the land of Jew haters. So I don't think we're going to see a huge difference in, in the way Jews are treated in America, whether the Republicans win or the Democrats win, I, I don't think we're going to see a major difference in the way Jews are treated. Uh, Jews always seem to fall to the wayside. Whatever promises are made to the Jewish community seem never to be kept. And Jews seem to be the only people, the only people in North America who are building fortresses and hiring armies to protect them. You don't see that anywhere else. You don't see churches with, uh, with moats dug in front of them and an armed guard standing in the front and uh, and metal detectors that doesn't happen in uh, uh, in churches and it doesn't happen in mosques it seems to be only the Jews have to have to have to build fortresses for their for their synagogues and for their institutions uh, and 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 it's shocking it's shocking and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm diverting from what I what I, what I initially started talking about we'll get back to that we'll, we'll circle around uh, it's shocking to me that after having to build these these fortresses and hire these armies of people to protect the Jewish populations of of different cities in North America, that the Jewish population of North America still feels that they belong there. When you look around and you see uh, churches leave their doors open twenty four hours a day, anybody can walk into a church any time of day or night, and 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 synagogues are locked up tight. With, with with cameras and lights and security guards and uh, and all sorts of other security measures put in there, one has to wonder why, why why do synagogues have to be locked up like that? Why do Jews have to live in fear in a country that they're supposed to be in a country in a, in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a continent that they 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 they're supposed to feel free in? It's it's really mind boggling. That the Jewish populations of North America, the combined Jewish populations of North America, haven't started ringing the bell and saying it's time to go. It's it's shocking that they haven't done that. Sure, we could yell never again, and and I hear that all the time. Jewish organizations yelling never again, never again, but never again what? Never again what? Never again are we going to sit in fear? Never again are we going to? Are we going to bow to our to our slave masters? Never again are we going to allow a genocide? But we're going to sit around and build fortresses because our lives are in danger when we go to the synagogue to pray to our God? Never again what? How does never again factor in to anything the Jewish population in North America is doing? It's it's absolutely I mean, when you think about it, you think about the hypocrisy of of a 
of a Jewish rally in a synagogue with armed guards standing in front of him, where, where, where somebody from the Jewish community, a leader of the Jewish community in North America, somebody who has a lot of money who, who bought his way into leadership, stands up in front of the crowd and yells never again in a building that is secured by armed guards in the front of the building. Really? Really, that's never again? How about standing up in the middle of a street on a street corner? How about taking over downtown and having a rally downtown and screaming downtown never again? Oh, but that might be too dangerous. People won't come out to that. What what, what do you mean it's too dangerous? Well, if it's too dangerous to go downtown to have a rally, if it's too dangerous to express your Judaism in the center of town, why are you still living in that town? Why are you still there? Because it's comfortable? How could it be comfortable? I'm I'm really surprised and shocked when I ask this question to Jewish community leaders in North America, and and they answer me, and they answer me, what what do you mean, Howie? What what are you talking about? What do you mean, uh, why are we we surprised about Jew haters? Of course we're surprised by Jew haters. Why would you be surprised? How could you be surprised? You know they exist. Every United Federation of uh, whatever they call themselves, the people who run the Jewish communities in all these different cities, right across North America, every single one of them has two or three people who are, who are security experts who are hired to, to talk about and to look at the security of the community and to ensure that all the institutions of the community are secure. Sure, it's great having organization. It's great having people uh, looking out to protect other people. And, and I'm not faulting them for that. I'm just saying that if we, requ- if, if we are the only people who are required to hire security experts to ensure that our institutions don't get uh, attacked, if we are the only people who are required to hire armed guards to stand in front of our institutions when we have high holidays, if we are the only people who have who have to have alarm surf- alarm systems and 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 um, robotic arms and 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 metal detectors and X-ray machines in front of our buildings before our people could go into them to pray, if we are the only people who are doing that, then there is something drastically wrong with the cities that we are living in. Then there is something drastically wrong with the way we are living. Then never again means nothing. Never again means nothing. If you're living in fear in North America, if you are living uh, looking over your shoulder, worried that you're going to be attacked because you're a Jew. If you're taking your yarmulke off, you're taking your kippah off to go to university or to get on the subway, or if you're hiding your Jewish symbols, or if your Jewish symbols are illegal to wear in certain places, then maybe you're living in the wrong place. Maybe never again is the wrong mantra for you. Maybe I got to get out of here is the mantra that you should be you should be shouting. My name is Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman. You can feel free to call in 301-768-4841 in North America. In Israel, the number is 0265-00151. You could find those numbers on the top of the page at israelnewstalkradio.com. That is the uh, site for the station. So feel free to visit israelnewstalkradio.com. Great website. I'm Howie Silberger, Political Hitman. We'll be back just after this.
الحتمه I'm Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. Feel free to join me in conversation by calling in. 301-768-4841 is the number to dial in North America. In Israel, 0265-00151. And, uh, of course, if you are watching on social media, you can always type into the chat box, and uh, the chat will pop up on my screen. So... Uh, uh, just before the break, I was I was I was asking the question why North American Jews are still in North America, and um, and and I got a comment on Facebook saying they they refuse to acknowledge where the Jew hate comes from, but I can't ignore the correlation between the presence of Sharia law, uh, abiding Muslims proliferating alongside alongside attacks on Jews. Uh, I don't know if I if I agree fully with that statement. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure that uh, that. That sh- it's only Sharia mo- Sharia law following Muslims uh, that are proliferating violence against Jews. I think the violence against Jews are coming from a lot of different fronts. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't point the blame only at those people. I would point the blame at a lot of other people too, um, including the governments of of different countries, which do not which do not discourage attacks against Jews in, in North America. Uh, I told you a story just a couple of weeks ago, the last show that we we're on. I told you a story about a guy, a guy running a school board, uh, running for school board. He was running for a position in the school board where he, uh, where he said that if he was in the position of the Germans or the Polish people during World War II, if that happened in North America, he's not so sure that he wouldn't go out and kill Jews. Uh, this is this is a guy running for the school board. So if these are the people that are running our our, our school boards, these are the people that are educating our children, or at least educating the children in public schools. Then America is in serious trouble. Then, then the people living in America are in serious trouble, because if that's the garbage that's being pushed into the brains of our children, and our children are our future leaders, then that is the next generation of philosophy that's going to crop up, and and, and cause a bigger problem um, when it comes to when it comes to Jews staying in North America. So, so maybe it's time to, to, to see the writing on the wall, to read the newspaper and understand what it's saying. Maybe it's time to, uh, to decide to, uh, to return to the Holy Land. It's just a suggestion. Maybe, maybe it's time to not listen to the federations and actually do what's best for you. Last week, we also commemorated two anniversaries of uh, two very two sad anniversaries. One a little sadder than the other, but two very sad anniversaries. One was the assassination of uh, of Yitzhak Rabin, the former prime minister of the state of Israel, and the other one was the assassination of Rabbi Meir Kahana. Now, I don't have much to say about Yitzhak Rabin. Uh, I didn't like Yitzhak Rabin. He wasn't a nice guy. I worked for Yitzhak Shamir for for a little while when he was prime minister of the state of Israel, so I got to know Yitzhak Rabin fairly well and his wife, and uh, and. And and they weren't very nice people. I, I did not have a very good relationship with them. And uh, and and my communication with his wife after Rabin's assassination, after the prime minister's assassination, um, when I've when I had when I had run-ins with his wife, and I had multiple run-ins with her after the assassination, uh, it, it never ended well. Let's just put it that way. I'm not gonna get into details, but it, it just never ended well. So I wasn't a big fan of Yitzhak Rabin. Uh, Mayor Kahana, Rabbi Mayor Kahana, was a was 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 a visionary. He, you know, he was condemned in his time, and you know, visionaries—people who have a, have foresight, 
and see the writing on the wall and are not afraid to to tell the truth, not afraid to get up and tell the truth. People who who get up and and, and put themselves forward and put their lives on the line every single day telling the truth uh, usually get condemned. And and so it's no shock when you look at the history of uh, you look at the history of Mayor Khan and the Khanist movements that the the condemnations come from the people who don't want to hear the truth. It's not shocking that that uh, that that he was that he was barred from from running again in the, in the Knesset. When you have Arab parties calling for the for for the genocide of Jewish people there, uh, living you know working in the in the, in the part in, in the Knesset there. And and the man calling for for Torah Judaism, calling for for the following of the Torah, calling for uh, calling for the Jewish occupation of Jewish land, Jewish Jewish settlement of Jewish land, the Jewish reclamation of Jewish land. It's not shocking that he would get he would get banned for, by 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 a band of Hellenists that are that are running the country. So so I'm I'm not shocked by this. I wasn't shocked by it back then. I'm not shocked by it today. And so many years after his assassination, I'm not shocked. The thing that shocked me about the uh, the assassination of Rabbi Merikan, I wasn't even shocked when he was assassinated. He said multiple times. I mean, he would he if he had survived the assassination attempt, he would say he was surprised that he wasn't shot by a Jew because he always said he always said that uh, if anyone's going to assassinate him, it's going to be a Jew. So so he he wasn't living with blinders on. Um, what shocked me about the assassination of of Rabbi Mayor Kahana was that it was the first ISIS attack. On uh, on American soil, and and nobody at the time knew it was an ISIS attack. Nobody at the time knew that this was uh, this was the precursor to ISIS. It was the organization became ISIS, but but nobody at the time knew that this was a, this was a terrorist attack. They thought it was an assassination of a radical Jewish leader, but it wasn't. It was a coordinated terror attack, and, and they found out later. And actually, he was assassinated in 1990. In 1993, they found out. That the guy who assassinated Rabbi Meir Kahana was involved in in a, in, in in a terror cell that that was going to blow up um, the the World Trade Center in 1993. They planted a bomb in the World Trade Center and they tried to blow up the World Trade Center in 1993. And he was part of that terror group. He was arrested as part of that terror group that tried to blow up the World Trade Center. Not only that. But that group was also affiliated with another group that was trying to blow up different landmarks in New York. So, so he was the first ISIS terror attack. We'll call it ISIS because the organization that he was involved, these people were involved, with, eventually evolved into ISIS. He was the first ISIS terror attack on uh, on American soil. The assassination of Rabbi Merikahana. So, so that should be noted, and 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 the loss of Rabbi Merikahana was was great for the Jewish community. He was fifty eight years old. He had plenty of time in front of him. Apparently not, but but he should have had plenty of time in front of him, and he should have been. He should have had. He would have won his war, and he would have been. Uh, he would have been back into the Knesset, and the country would look a lot different today than it looked uh, than it looked back then. And it looks today too. So. In installing religion and infusing religion into politics, uh, most people say don't mix religion and politics, but, but infusing religion into politics, especially Israeli politics, and making Israel and pushing for Israel to be a better country, to be a more Jewish country, to, to, incorporate, to incorporate Torah into, into the state of Israel, into the, into, the, into the workings of the state of Israel, how much better would the country be? I mean, now we take a look at the country, and uh, it's running. It's trying. It's running really quickly. It's trying really quickly to become 
to become a secular country, to become a country like everyone else. You see, this is the problem with assimilation. The problem with assimilation is that, that it's contagious. So it's a double-edged sword. When you bring people in from assimilated countries, assimilated people in from assimilated countries to come and live in your country, then you have to live with the results of that, and the results of that is, is, the, uh, is, is the assimilation leaking into your politics. On the other hand, if you don't allow people who are assimilated into other countries to move into your country, and you don't allow this kind of, uh, this kind of in-gathering of the Jews into the state of Israel, if you stop that for any reason, then you are putting at risk the lives of people living outside of your country. It's a conundrum. It's it's a real it's a real problem. It's a it's a huge problem. But it's a huge problem that 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 may be solvable. And the only way it could be solvable is to say that hey, listen, I, I believe, I believe that everybody has the right to practice or not practice Judaism in any way possible. You know, you have the freedom of choice. God gave us the freedom of choice to practice or not practice, to do what you want. I, I believe that you should be practicing. I believe that Judaism is a beautiful religion, and, uh, and and the lifestyle that Judaism gives us is a wonderful lifestyle. So people should be following that lifestyle. But I also believe that we should respect people's decisions not to practice, not to follow the religion whatsoever. And I, and I believe that fully. I'm not one to judge. The only there's only one judge, and that judge comes eventually. We all get there where we're judged, and you know we're judged by what the decisions we make on the earth. So, I'll make my decisions, you make your decisions, and good luck to you, and good luck to me. So, so I, I'm good with that. But at the end of the day, when we have Jewish institutions and Jewish countries, they should be following the basic tenements of Judaism. And we go back to Yitzhak Rabin. And one of the reasons I, I really, really dislike Yitzhak Rabin is because he was the first prime minister of Israel to go to a public event uh, on Yom Kippur. He was the first prime minister of Israel to attend a, a governmental event on Yom Kippur. And, and if that is not snubbing your nose and, 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 and flicking your nose at Judaism and saying, I really don't care about the Jewish people. I really don't care about Judaism. I may care about the state of Israel. I may care about the secular state of Israel, but I don't care about Judaism. If, if you're willing to publicly do that, then for me, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a no-starter, and you shouldn't be prime minister. Uh, definitely not prime minister of the Jewish state. I've always believed that, that, that we should do the most to, to allow everybody to be comfortable in something, then do the least and have people alienated. We should, we should go the farthest we can to, to incorporate every single person, every single denomination, every single, every single area of Judaism, every single stringency of Judaism. We should, we should go as far as we can so that every single person in the world, every single Jew in the world would be comfortable coming to Israel. But, but we tend to go the other way, the easy way. Ah, you know, we might have protests because there are no buses on Shabbat. We might have protests because people want to eat pork. We might have protests because people want to break whatever violation they want to do. So we might as well just let it, and then we won't have protests. We'll be more popular. Wrong way to go. Throw it back home. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman on Israel. News Talk News.
political hitman. I'm Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. Feel free to call in in North America, 301-768-4841. In Israel, 0265-00151. You get those numbers at the top of the page at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I, um, I, I'm, I'm careful. I'm careful in the stories I tell you on the air because uh, I, I feel that that... You know, I have to give you, I have to give you the story. I have to give you the context of everything. Uh, but I don't want you to get the wrong impression. And 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 sometimes I feel that when I when I when I when I press an issue and I and I go on and go on go on with an issue, uh, I tend to give you the wrong impression. And so I, I was thinking about during the break. I was just thinking about the, the 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 last segment I did about about the state of Israel. And although although it's true, everything I said is true. And although I do believe that uh, that more Judaism should be infused into the state of Israel, the only way we could do that is if people who believe in Torah, people who believe in Judaism, people who follow and, and understand Judaism, uh, move to Israel. That's the only way to do it. Uh, things tend to happen based on population. Now, um, I'm not saying that all Israelis are secular. I'm not saying that all Israelis don't like don't like Judaism. That's that's not true. That's not true. In fact, a uh, a recent survey within the last ten years uh, said that um, that that all Israelis at at least three times a year go to the synagogue. You can't say that about North American Jews. So if, if that's the case, you can't you can't you can't even compare. So just that one gesture makes 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 Israel a much better country. Uh, I, I do believe, though, I do believe, though, that the that the Israeli government needs to to be to be a little more sympathetic to the Jewish cause, and I believe that Judaism must be influenced, infused a little a little more into into Israeli culture, into Israeli into the day to day operations of the Israeli government. But who am I? I'm just a I'm just a lowly a lowly talk show host. With, with, with a lot of opinions. But you could have opinions too, and you could join me on the air. Just give us a call. The number's on the top of the page at Israel News Talk Radio. Feel free to call in. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about this. And so, so here we are. We're, 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 we're at the crossroads. American Jews are living in fortresses. They're, uh, they, they're, they're cowering in the basements of their, of their synagogues, scared that they're going to be attacked. They're afraid to retake the streets when they when when Jews are attacked in the streets. They're afraid to retake the streets. Pro-Israel uh, demonstrations on university campuses are usually muted, uh, if they exist at all, if they happen at all. Uh, many campuses have banned pro-Israel demonstrations, but are, 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 are but allow freely the demonstrations, anti-Israel demonstrations, particularly apartheid weeks, on on different um, on different campuses. Uh, and Jews, over the last couple of summer, over the last couple of years, we've 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 been following it. Jews have been attacked on the streets of New York City, which has the highest population of Jews in North America. So Jews being attacked in the street, not being able to express your Judaism, your your pride for for Judaism and for your country on the streets, 
not being able to bring in Israeli speakers or or do pro Israeli pro Israeli events on university campuses, building fortresses because there there have been a couple of synagogues that have been attacked and uh, and there's always the threat of a of a synagogue attack. So we built fortresses and put metal detectors in front of synagogues and uh, Jewish institutions, and and then those those big rocks so the cars can't run into you. Uh, and and flower pots and all sorts of stuff in front of Jewish institutions. When when you look at when you look at all the the money, the millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, I'd say even a billions of dollars, that have been spent on 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 protecting the Jewish population of North America from an enemy that 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 exists and that will continue to exist, and that there is no indication will will ever disappear. One has to wonder, and I, I said this before, and I'm going to say it again. One has to wonder why the eyes of the Jewish community have not been opened. Why the Jewish community insists that America is the best place to live. Think about how many organizations exist to counter uh, anti-Jewish sentiments that are expressed anywhere. Think, think about how much money is spent to try to convince our enemies, to try to convince people who are who are, who are speaking horribly about Jews, Jews, people who are people who are advocating violence and genocide against Jews. Speak about, think about how much money are spent on organizations that are just there solely to try to convince these people not to hate Jews. I am uh, I'm going to quote Rabbi Mayor Kahana when he said that when my enemy when my enemy tells you when my enemy tells me that he wants to kill me. I believe him. Now, there's a quote directly from Rabbi Merikahani. He said it on the Larry King show. And I'm sure he said it elsewhere, but uh, I heard it on the Larry King show. Uh, when my enemy tells me he's coming to kill me, I believe him. And, and that quote has stuck with me over the years because when, when my enemy tells me he's coming to kill me, I believe him. He has no reason to lie to me. Why would my enemy say I'm coming to kill you and not come and kill me? It would be ridiculous to make that statement and actually not live up to it. So we're hearing the message. Obviously, American Jews are hearing the message. They're building the fortresses. They're hiring the security personnel. They're 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 hiring the sec- they're hiring the armies and they're putting in the the equipment to check the bags and to check the and to check and to check for metal and to 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 search your bags. They're putting in all the equipment. So they're hearing the call of the enemy saying, I am going to kill you. But they're not believing the enemy. Sure, they're saying, okay, maybe we believe him. Maybe we believe him. Maybe we could fight him off. We'll, we'll, we'll put a couple of guards in front, of the, in front of the building. Maybe he'll fight off the enemy when they show up to kill us. We are not trusting our enemies when they tell us exactly what they want to do to us. It is, it is mind-numbing to listen to people telling me, when I speak to North American leaders, this is what I hear, people telling me that I'm overreacting, that they listen to my show, and they know that I am telling the truth, but I'm overreacting. I get condemned for saying these things on the radio. They tell me, you can't talk like that on the radio. You're going to scare the population. 
You're going to cause panic. And I look at them and I, I look at them and I say to them, why are you not causing panic? Why are you not telling the people in North America you should be scared? Why aren't you being honest? A few years ago, there was a swastika that was, that was scribbled onto the door of a synagogue. And I walked, and I, and I didn't walk away. Somebody called me and told me that there's swastika on the synagogue door. And so I called the local radio station, and I said to the local radio station, I'd like to make a comment about the swastika being stuck on the door. They had no idea there was a swastika on the door, and, uh, and then they had to verify that the swastika actually exists, but they took my comment. And I said, I strongly, on behalf of whatever organization I was working for at the time, I strongly condemn the Jew hatred in this city. I strongly condemn the fact that somebody could feel they could walk up to a synagogue and put a swastika on the door. Where were the police? Where was security? How could this have happened in the city that we live in? It was a strong statement, stronger than any statement that any of the federations had ever made regarding this kind of event. Not long after I made the statement, maybe an hour later, it led off the news uh, the next hour and then the hour after that, maybe an hour or two hours later, I get a call from one of the rabbis that were the, one of the appointed Jewish community leaders of the city I lived in. And he called me and he said to me, Howie, how dare you call the radio station and make a statement? Who gave you the right to do that? Who put you in charge as the spokesman for the Jewish community. And I remember I was maybe 19 or 20 years old at the time. And I, look, and I looked at the phone, and then I, I said to the guy, who gave you the right? If you are going to condemn me for speaking on behalf of myself and the organization that I was working for, not on behalf of you, not on behalf of the community, just on behalf of myself and the organization I was working for. Clearly identified. Who gave you the right to speak on behalf of the community? And if you are going to speak on behalf of the community, I said to the guy, then why aren't you telling them the truth? So he said to me, listen, I'll tell you the truth. When you publicize these events, when you, when you go and you condemn a swastika drawn on a, on a synagogue, you are just encouraging a copycat to go and draw a swastika on another synagogue. And then we'll have a scourge of swastikas being drawn on synagogues. Therefore, it's better to remain quiet than it is to stand up and, and yell about it. It's better to remain quiet? Really? Really? It's better not to defend yourself? It's better to say, it's okay, you could come to my house, you could break my windows, and I'm happy, and we'll just let it go? Is not reacting actually more dangerous than reacting? And when the reaction is a strong reaction, when the reaction is a forceful reaction, isn't that more effective than sitting quietly like lame ducks waiting for the next attack? This is the unfortunate mentality of North American Jewish leaders. It's the unfortunate reality of North American Jews. If we remain quiet, I, I like to call it the the, uh, the it's called the shtetl the shtetl uh, ideology. If we remain quiet, 
then they'll find somebody else to bother. It's not true. If, a, you know, if, if people hate Jews, people hate Jews. Years ago, I was uh, doing a radio show in a, in a major city, and, um, and I get a call. We get a call on the air. Uh, have open lines. Every show I've ever done has had open lines, so anyone could call in. We had we get a call on the air, and the man calls in and says to me, Howie, there is a store on a main street that sells Hitler T-shirts, and you haven't done a show on it, and, and you walk by that store all the time. I know I see you there. I see you walk by that store all the time, but you've never mentioned that store on the air. Why have you not mentioned that store on the air? And I, I, my answer was quite simply, I don't care if they sell Hitler T-shirts. It doesn't bother me. Because I understand. I understand that we are hated. I understand that the Jewish community is not welcome anymore. So the Hitler T-shirts and the insults towards the Jewish community don't bother me because I understand where they're coming from. You can't be bothered by something you understand. If you get it, you can't be bothered by it. Either you accept it, you either fight back, or you leave. These are your three options. You have no other options. So, getting up on the radio and, and yelling about the store and the store should take down the t-shirts and boycott the store, it doesn't help. Is a boycott going to change the the, the philosophy and the attitude of the store owner? Is a boycott going to tell the store owner, oh, maybe I, is a boycott going to force the store owner to think, oh, maybe I uh, had the wrong opinion about Jews? Of course not. Of course not. And, and, and the conversation about, about, uh, about that rapper in the States who, who, who made those disparaging remarks against Jews, we, the Jewish community just proved his point. They had him canceled. He said the Jewish community controls the controls the entertainment uh, industry, and that they control the money flow into the entertainment industry. It's an old canard, but he brought it back. And the Jewish reaction was, "Get his money away from him. Get his contracts canceled. Make him lose all his business." He just proved his point. Reaction of the Jewish community proved the man's point. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't react. I'm not saying the Jewish community shouldn't have reacted. Of course, there should have been a strong reaction. But maybe not to the extent of what they did. The problem is, and this is the problem right across the board, the problem is that there is no backbone. The problem is that the Jewish community is afraid to get up and say, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you think about my community. It's irrelevant to us. We don't care. We are going to live our lives the way we live our lives. And we don't care what you have to say about it. I have never heard a Jewish organization spokesperson get up and say something like that. It's never happened. It's always we condemn, we're saddened, we're upset. I'm not upset. I'm not saddened. I don't care. The second we stop caring about what they think of us, the second we empower ourselves. And that's that's the only way to do it. But of course, we shouldn't have to go through this whole rigmarole. If you're planning on staying in North America, it's great. You have to take on that attitude. 
You have to take on the attitude of we don't care what anyone thinks about us. We'll defend ourselves. We'll stand and uh, and make sure that we don't get killed and make sure that we uh, that, that we defend our institutions and defend our children. We make sure that our, our buildings are safe. But we don't care what you think. We, we just don't care. Just don't tell us. We don't care. It's irrelevant. I only get bothered by the opinions of people I respect. If I don't respect a person, I'm not bothered by their opinion. I couldn't care less what they think. But instead of going through that whole process, instead of going through through that whole that whole mess, maybe the bigger solution and the better solution is just to go to a place where where, where Jews run run the country, where where Jews are, are, are the boss. Where you could be the boss, where you could live amongst your people. Live in the land that God gave us to live in. Live amongst your people. Moving to Israel is the solution to North American anti-Jewism. It's, it's, it's the simple solution. There's no easier solution than moving to Israel. Sure, you can sit in North America and say, okay, things can't get worse, but they said that elsewhere too, and things got a lot worse. And they said it over centuries elsewhere, and things got a lot worse. And you can't wait, because if you wait, what's going to happen is things will get worse, and then it will be too late. And if it's too late, there's nobody that can come and save you. The time is now. Jabotinsky ran around Europe. He ran across Europe for years before World War II, screaming that the end of European life for the Jews has come and it's time to move to Palestine. He, he was screaming and yelling, begging people. And he was ridiculed and laughed at and, and ignored by a good portion of the Jewish population. And we all know what happened there. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Vladimir Jabotinsky at all. I'm just saying that when there are people in the community screaming, yelling, begging, pleading, telling you it's time to go, pointing to the signs that it's time to go, then maybe it's time to listen. Maybe we should learn from history. I had a kid, and uh, I'm the principal of an elementary school, and a boy came up to me today and said to me, I don't understand why we have to learn history. History has no relevance in my life. Grade 5 boy, he's 10, 11 years old. Uh, history has no relevance in my life. I don't know why I have to learn history. And I looked at him and I said to him, and I know this is pretty harsh to say to a, to a, to a 9 and 10. I'm sorry, he's 9 or 10. Uh, pretty harsh to say to a 9-year-old. I looked at him and I said to him, if we don't understand history, then we will be dead. If the Jews don't understand history, we will be dead. Period. There's nothing else to say. If we don't look at our history and we don't understand the trends and we don't see it coming, then we're dead. Simple as that. There's there's no other way to put it. I, I wish I had a nicer way to say it. I wish I had a nicer way to say it. When you when you look at what happened in Europe and the build up to the Holocaust and you look at North America and the hatred that's building up 
So we might not have a Holocaust in 10 years or 20 years or 50 years. Or we might. Do you want to take that chance? Is that really a chance you want to take? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're just uh, maybe we're just people who uh, who love punishment. Maybe we have a persecution complex. I'm not sure what we have. All I know is that it's time, and the bell is ringing, and the bell will keep ringing until it stops ringing. And when it stops ringing, we're in serious, serious trouble. Not that we're not in serious trouble now. We'll be in a lot more trouble if that bell stops ringing. If that door closes. Fortunately. And, you know, I, I don't want to end the show on a, on, a, on a sour note. Fortunately. We always have the protection of God. Fortunately, God's always watching over us. Now, whether we see it or we don't see it, whether we believe it or we don't believe it, he's always there. And when you have an opportunity, and I know I keep repeating myself, and I'm just going over the same thing over and over again, but when you have an opportunity, when you know that this kind of hatred exists and builds up, and it's building up and it's building up, it is God giving you that signal. It's God showing you the way. He opened the door and allowed the Jews to have Israel again. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not uh, everything that you hope for. Maybe the line. Maybe the streets aren't lined with gold, and the rivers aren't uh, flowing with honey. But it's safe. And it's a place where Jews could feel at home, could be at home, not even feel at home. Could be at home. In North America, you feel at home. In Israel, you are home. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. I'm uh, I'm I'm so happy that uh, that that you've joined me tonight. Today depends where you are. Some places night, some places day. If listeners all over the world, and I'm so grateful that you've joined. If you joined me, and that you've that you've been part of the show, I'm so grateful that you allow me into your homes every single week. And, and, and we talk, and we, we could have serious conversations. It's not, it's so difficult to have serious conversations today, to have meaningful conversations. When we take a look at the garbage that's, that's around the world, when we take a look at the moralist society we live in, when we take a look at the dumbing down of education and how dumb people have become, it is so nice to have an intelligent conversation with you. And, of course, every show, Lines are open, and always feel free to call in and let's talk, because we can't solve the problems. We can't even we can't even imagine that the problems exist unless we have a conversation about them. And I'm so happy we have this this venue. So until next week, I bid you a great week. I'm Howie Silverberg. This is Political Hitman on Israel News Talk If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. 
plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 